Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. The title of today's episode is How to Do a Trial Master File Review, or a TMF Review. And this is a question that I've never really gotten before um, by someone who had, I guess, commented on one of the YouTube videos. So if you're not subscribed yet on YouTube, make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. And if you listen on the podcast, keep listening to podcasts, and please give us a review if you can. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Anchor, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just leave us a review if you can. Um, it really helps us do better and have more people, help more people see our content and listen to our content. So the title of today's episode is How to Do a Trial Master File Review. And this is something that I never really thought about doing before because it's very, very hard to actually get uh, pictures of the trial master file. Or, you know, you don't, you don't want to take pictures or screenshots of the actual files because, you know, that could be a breach of confidentiality. And, you know, I just kind of have to describe it in theory how it works. And for those people that actually work in clinical research already or have access to the trial master file and want to know how it works or will be doing trial master file reviews in the future, um, I can give you some, some tips and pointers in this, in this episode here. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So... How do you do a trial master file review? So this is something that, you know, if you're a project specialist, if you're a project manager assistant, uh, CRA, an in-house CRA, um, you're going to be a clinical trial assistant. You know, a lot of these uh, positions that work in clinical research that have access to the trial master file. And it's really a collection of all the documents that are gathered over the course of the study. So you're going to have things in there, medical licenses, financial disclosure forms, um, you know, lab manuals, you're going to have all types of stuff in the trial master file. And it's a collection of documents that are gathered over the course of the study. And it houses all that study data in there. Um, uh, especially the regulatory component. So, you know, uh, back in the day, they actually had paper trial master files. So they had papers and papers and papers, um, you know, I don't even know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of pages of, of paper collecting all these documents. And whenever you wanted to go, uh, you know, pull something or copy something, you had to go in there manually and do it. But now everything is electronic. Um, you know, they still have, up until a few years ago, I was actually working on a paper study, which was crazy. Um, this was, let's see, maybe 2017. I was working on this paper study. Um, now everything's electronic. Even then, most things were electronic. But if they started on paper, they're not going to, you know, make it electronic. Um, if it started on paper, they're pretty much going to keep it paper until the study's over. Um, but now pretty much everything is electronic, which is much better, much, much better. So how does, how does it work? So, so how do you make sure you're reviewing it correctly? So basically, you know, the, it, on the electronic form, it's just a collection of files. If you can imagine, you know, you've got a folder on your desktop and then in there you name more documents and, um, you have different folders to break it down as specifically as possible. That's basically a big trial master file, um, except they do it on a huge, you know, industrial size level because there's hundreds of, if not thousands, tens of thousands of documents in there. So it's broken down so you can get to with pinpoint accuracy uh, where each document is going to be filed. So, but how do you, how do you do this review? How do you make sure everything is in there? So basically what a review is going to accomplish is make sure that the needed documents that are inside that need to be inside the, the file are actually in there that's what it is um and so 
you know, as a, from a CRA perspective and really from anybody's perspective, they're going to do this the same. Um, the thing that makes differentiates the other positions from the CRA is the CRA is the person that actually is going to do most of the collecting of the documents. Now, they may not do all the filing. They might hand that off to a CTA, clinical trial assistant, or, you know, some kind of project manager assistant or something. They may not file the documents themselves. Um, it just depends on how that company is set up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and how the workflow is set up, um, but they will have access. They will be able to file the documents themselves, usually. Um, but they are, the, they are the main ones that are collecting the documents. Now, they may have help from an in-house CRA, um, but the CRA can collect these documents, so that's why it's important to kind of talk about this from a CRA's perspective. And then you can kind of use this information to kind of help you in whatever position that you are in. So one of the first things that I do when I'm reviewing a trial master file is... I need to take a look at the delegation of authority log. Now, the delegation of authority log tells you everyone that's on the study, that's on the study from the site's perspective. So each site is going to have their own delegation of authority log. They're going to have everyone that's on it. So like the PI, the sub eyes, the pharmacist, the study coordinators, they're all going to be on the delegation of authority log and they're going to be allocated different tasks. Um, so usually these tasks are numbered and then they put in the task, but anyway, that, that's besides the point. So they're going to be delegated a series of tasks. So various tasks require various training. So for example, if the, if the study coordinator is delegated a task like shipping of dangerous goods, they're going to need, you know, shipping or basically shipping of the samples in the study. They're going to need specific training on how to do that. And that's called IATA training, I-A-T-A, or basically shipping of dangerous goods training. Um, another example is going to be, um, you know, if they're going to be entering data into the EDC, you know, a lot of EDCs have training on how to use it, except for example, metadata rave does. So they're going to need to f have filed the, um, metadata rave training in there. So that's, those are just two examples, but typically, um, you, you know, you're going to review that delegation of authority log and review to make sure that they have the adequate training. So typically if you're on the delegation of authority log, that means immediately, you're going to need a CV, protocol training, and GCP training. So if you're on there, you're at least going to need that. Um, pertinent individual individuals, the PI, sub-I's, you're going to want to collect the medical license. You're going to want to make sure that they have an updated medical license. So different states do it differently. Sometimes it's every two years. Sometimes it's every four years. Sometimes every three years. It just depends. You'll just need a updated medical license. Um, different Different sponsors, different CROs require different CV requirements. So CV is a resume or updated curriculum vitae. So is it going to be every two years? Some require every year. Some only require one. And that's really much preferred if there's only one. Because then um, you don't need to keep collecting it. Because these documents get old. They get hard to collect over and over and over again. And sites get irritated. So you want to make sure that you know, you're able to collect the right documents. Some other trainings you might need to collect, you know, investigator brochure trainings, um, protocol trainings, 
there's different amendments that come out over the course of a study. So they're always amending it. So protocol amendment one, well, first they're gonna have the initial, then they might amend it. So then it'll be called protocol amendment one. So you'll need to make sure you get, have training on file for both the regular protocol and the protocol amendment one. And typically everyone on the site is going to uh, require that type of training. So that's what I do first is, you know, the DOA log, that's a lot of it. That's going to tell you what kind of trainings and that's always the hard part because CRAs forget to train the different individuals or forget to remind them to train. Um, and that's something that's always difficult to me, uh, difficult for me, especially if I'm coming on, if I'm getting the site from a different CRA, having to go back and make sure that the site's trained because um, that's just something that CRAs forget. The medical license and the CV, that's a little bit easier because sites are used to having those documents handy because they're being asked for those same exact documents for all the studies that they're doing. So they have those documents handy. It's the study specific document that can be a little bit more challenging and the sites may not have as handy and is usually gonna require a little bit of work. Um, so that's something that if, you're, if you remember and if you're really on top of it as a CRA or in-house CRA or you know whatever you're doing, project specialist, CTA, um, you can really be ahead of the curve if you, if you know a new amendment's coming out and you want to ask, you know, the sites to have that training ready. Um, so, so that's what I look at first. Um, and something else that you can look at, too, is an FDA 1572. Um, and this is something really you look at early on in the process. Not You really shouldn't have to worry about this much later unless um, there's been changes. So, for example, um, a lot of times they put sub-investigators on the FDA 1572 or other site staff. Typically, it's just sub-investigators um, who might have some kind of financial interest in the study. So you'll they'll fill that out and they'll put uh, the you know the individual those individuals under box five, and that's important because under box five, if you're listed there, you need to have a financial disclosure form automatically. So that's other documents you can collect. So FDA 1572, you need to make sure you have financial disclosure forms. Um, if you're listed on the 1572 and the PI is automatically going to have one because their name is going to be on there. Um, so it depends. So a lot of sites, they won't put study coordinators on the FDA 1572. And I like it that way, honestly, uh, because it's less documentation and less paperwork. Um, so typically with clinical research, they say if it, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. But in some of these instances, it's better, it's better to have less people on the delegation of authority law. And a lot of sites, especially these academic institutions with medical schools, they like to put people on the study that have no business or aren't gonna or have don't plan on having any business to do with the study. They just want their name on the publication or something like that. So if you work for a site, do not do this. Please do not do this. Only put people on the delegation authority log. Only put them on the study if they are going to actually be doing work on the study because it's just going to make both of our lives as a from the sponsor's perspective from the cra's perspective and from the site's perspective a whole lot easier if you aren't putting people on the delegation of authority law because that's just way more documents that need to be collected way more documents that need to be tracked um and it just really doesn't make sense it's just a lot more work for you so if you're a study coordinator and people want to be put on the uh, delegation log and they aren't going to be uh you know doing anything make sure that they're actually going to be doing something on the study um, and warrant being placed on there. So that's my two cents on that. Um, so, you know, other documents you might check for are laboratory documents. Um, there's per different permits. You got CLIA and CAP. Those are two different permits that different laboratories re are required to have on file. 
So you'll want to check those documents and they have an expiration date on them. Um, so you don't really have to like think of, okay, do I need to check this every two years? It tells you when it expires. So you'll check that, check those two documents. You also check the uh, lab director CV. That's something that usually is filed also. Um, so you definitely want to make sure that you have those on file. Um, and then the other thing that you'll want to check is monitoring reports. So typically, site, uh, a CRA will send out monitoring visit letters, confirmation letter, follow-up letter um, for each visit that they do. So you'll want to make sure that those are filed in the TMF also. So the CRA is going to make sure that they're filed on site in what's called an ISF binder or investigational site file. They're going to make sure that they're there. And you want to make sure that they're in the TMF also. So where can you go to make sure that, or how can you reconcile those visit dates with what's in the TMF or how do you even know if a visit occurred? So typically you can look in a couple places. You can a, well, you can ask the CRA, but they're going to get tired of you asking them. Um, you can look in the CTMS system. So that's a quick way an electronic way to do it. Um, look in the CTMS system where usually they have some place where, uh, you know, visit letters are approved by somebody or things of that nature. So you want to look in the CTMS. Another place you can look is the site visit log. That's the end all be all when it comes to these visits, because typically if that log isn't signed, that's going to be the documentation that a visit occurred. So you want to double check the site visit log and, and that's filed on site. So typically, you know, a CRA might collect that every time they go on site or, you know, they might collect it periodically, but that's where you can you know, double check to make sure a visit occurred. And then each visit listed on there should have a confirmation letter and a follow-up letter. So that's how you know what should be filed in the TMF for that. So these are a lot of the documents. This is how you do a complete review. And, you know, of course, you know, I did this video, this episode 13, 15, 16 minutes. Um, it takes a lot longer than that to do a review. It can take, you know, a couple hours, depending on how many documents you have. And typically, the longer the study is going on, the more documents you're going to have, as you can see. Um, for example, you know, medical licenses expire, CVs expire, trainings expire. So then you have to get updated ones of all those things. So typically, the longer the study goes on, the much more documents you're going to have. But it's really, really important in the beginning to make sure you get all the right documents on file. So then you know uh, when one thing's expired, you know you have to get another one. So that's really helpful. So... I hope this was helpful, guys. I thought this was a very interesting question, and you know, I wish I could show you guys more about how to do it, um, but I think this is pretty good because this is the general gist. This is the general you know, idea of how to do it. Um, basically, you're just going through files and making sure they're there, and then you're making a list of what's not there, and you're reaching out to the site to uh, send you copies of it. That's pretty much it. Uh, you're basically just matching, and whatever is not found to have a match, uh, you're asking the site to send it to you so you can match it up. That's pretty much it, guys. Um, so, you know, sounds easy, but, you know, you'll get the hang of it once you've actually started doing it. So I hope this was helpful. As always, guys, email me, eliteclinicalgroup at gmail.com if you have any questions. Um, we also have our resume review program. We have our uh, LinkedIn profile review, career consultation, interview prep. We have all those things. So email me there if you want any of that. Um, yeah. Take care, guys.